Hey, good morning. It's great to be here. It's amazing when you're 15, year old, 15 years old and you live in Worcester, how you cannot wait to get out of the town. And then as you grow a bit older, you're just really excited to come back. And uh, it was good for me to drive past my primary school this morning and remember biking, biting Mark Mitchell's arm. And, um, and then to drive past the Worcester. He's not here, is he, today? Just to... He did steal my football, so it was sort of justified. Um, and, uh, and then drive past the grammar school, which I went to, which is now that Alice Otley is now part of the grammar school, isn't it? So, wow. And all those years that we had just jumping through the little hole in the wall to see the girls, they don't have to do that anymore. So, so I've repented of everything that I did in Worcester, just so that you're clear. Um, became a Christian when I was 20 years old. And um, been a real driver for me that, um, interestingly, I I had an experience of God when I was 11, and I had the presence of God in my bedroom. Parents weren't Christians, but I knew that God was with me, but didn't have that explained to me. I didn't even realize that Simeon had shared the gospel with me. I've only found that out this morning, but obviously something went in. You know, I I couldn't remember that. But, uh, yeah, somebody shared the gospel with me when I was 19, 20 years old, and it was just like, a, right, I'm ready. No hesitation. wasn't a, a hard deal. Anyway, I'm going to share with you um, about a project that we're working on to build a national monument. Have you all heard of the Angel of the North? So like the Angel of the North, an architectural sculpture, which is going to be about Jesus, and it's going to be built in the Midlands, uh, and it's basically going to be made of a million bricks, and every single brick is going to represent an answered prayer. But before I do that, I want to explain to you why I'm doing it and to go through the scriptures because it's not a vanity project and it's not just like a, well, here's something I thought I might do. Uh, God gave me the vision for it 13 years ago. But let's go to the, let's go to the scripture that Simeon shared uh, to begin with in um, Revelation 12. Let's start there. Uh, So Revelation 12, where are we, 11, something like that. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his, of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. How do you triumph over by the word of your testimony? What does that actually mean? I'm not going to give you the answer right now. Hopefully you can work it out as we go along. But when I started this, God gave me the vision for this, a wall of answered prayer 13 years ago. And I thought that he was going to teach me a lot about prayer in the process, which he has done, and and a lot about praying in the secret place, of which obviously that's secret, so I can't talk to you about that this morning. But the thing that God has really opened up to me um, is the importance of remembering what God has done. The power of testimony. And, and the more and more I read through the word of God, it's just like full in the Bible. It's all over the word of God. You know, um, 
Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, don't forget um, the things that your eyes have seen. Don't let them fade from your memory and pass them on to your children and their children. That is the testimony. So the things that um, God has done in your lives, don't forget it. You know, when I first got saved, one of the things that really helped me in my struggles as I was trying to change my life, I was, a, I was an alcoholic too, um, uh, when I was trying to change my life and all the struggles that that brings, God kept bringing people to me um, who didn't know that I was a Christian. And I shared the testimony with them of getting saved. And it just strengthened me just in, in doing that. So in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about um, keeping the commands of God, keeping the laws of God, and keeping the testimonies of God. If you look in the, the King James Version, it says keep the testimonies. How do you keep the testimonies? What does that mean? Why is the Bible filled with scriptures that relate to remembering you know, when, what did they do in, 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 uh, in the Old Testament? What did they do when they had an experience of God? You know, when they had a meeting with God or something wondrous happened, time and time again, they built little monuments. They piled stones on top of each other so that they could remember, so that that physical thing would be a, a spark for them to remember what God had done. Let's turn to, to Psalm uh, 145. Oh, can I get to 145? No, I'm having so much fun with my phone right now, you would not believe. Psalm 145 talks about the awesome wonders of God and sharing the wonders of God through the generations. There is something really important, I believe, about remembering what God has done in our lives and then sharing that through the generations. You know, um, in, when it talks about Jacob uh, in, in the word of God, it says there's one bit where it says Jacob leaned on his staff. Just before, you know, I think just before he, he leaned on his staff. Now, if you look through Hebrew tradition... A shepherd would get his staff, and every time something happened to him where he was thankful to God, he'd make a mark on the, on the staff. So the staff actually signifies the, the testimonies, signifies all the remembering the stories. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So that the lady who shared the testimony, where is she uh, this morning? Fantastic. And you know the day that God did that. You know the day that God answered that prayer. That testimony has power in it. So, so when we have something where God answers our prayer, when we have a story, that story has a bit of God's DNA in it. It has God's life in it that we can recall with power. Now, I, I used to be, um, I don't know if Simeon remembers, but I was a big Leicester City fan. I don't know if you remember that. And I was really fortunate for a number of years to be the chaplain of Leicester City Football Club. 
which was like a dream job for me, you know, and uh, and able to to meet with the players and and support them pastorally, and it was just a great great job. And um, I was there when we were rubbish, by the way, not when we got good. But if you if you're in Leicester now, people will talk about the year that. Did you know we won the Premiership? Did anybody mention it down here? We won the Premiership. People will talk about the year that we won the Premiership, and they will reminisce. And they'll talk about Kante and Drinkwater and Vardy and Mares and all those incredible results and goals. But what they're really saying is the undertone is it will never happen again. We are never, ever going to win the premiership again. That's the best that it gets. But when we share a testimony, when we share something that God has done, there's a power in it. And we're stepping into this river of life and going, and going, he can do it again. If he's done it once, he can do it again. So as we've heard the testimony this morning of somebody who's had an addiction and God has broken it, I just want to say, God loves you. You're amazing. You're really special to him. But I also want you to know God has no favorites. And he feels for each and every one of us the same way. So if you've got something that is an addiction, you can take heart from hearing that testimony and know that if God has done it once, he can do it again. That's the power of testimony. So I'm going to share, share another one. Um, I had a disease in my spine. So I started running um, when I was about um, 14, 15 years old. A lot of the time from people from Christopher Whitehead, that was where I got my training from. Just they, they were people to be avoided when I was at school. Just run away if you saw somebody in Christopher Whitehead kit. And, um, and I became quite a good runner, ran for the county. But I got a disease in my spine, a degenerative disease. And, I start, and that wasn't diagnosed till I was 27 years old. And basically... Um, it meant that my spine was fusing together and I was becoming less and less supple. And I got to the point where um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and my whole rib cage would be in spasm and I wasn't able to breathe for what felt like an eternity. And, you know, I remember thinking, this is probably the way I'm going to die. And um, uh, over the course of, I got saved when I was 20, I went for prayer Lots and lots and lots of times. You know, if I ever go to a healing meeting, there's always somebody with a word of knowledge for a bad back, and I was there, you know. And, and nothing happened. And then I went to a doctor, and he said, um, he said, Mr. Gamble, your back is like a car in a traffic jam, and we can't cure it. We can give you medicine to slow the car down, but once the car gets to the end of the road... You're screwed. That was his words, you know, not the most encouraging word from a doctor. And I came out of that meeting and I thought I was quite angry. And I thought I'm not going to allow the word of an expert to overrule the word of God. And so I uh, started praying that God would stop the car. Uh, I went to a meeting, had a heat in my spine, and then I had an MRI scan. And then the doctor came back and went, it stopped. God can do. Did you hear that? God, God stopped an incurable disease in my spine. 
And, and I want to encourage you, if you've got a, um, a, uh, a prognosis from a doctor here this morning who's told you that it's, you've got something that is incurable, I want you to know God can cure it. And if you've had something for many, many years and prayed for many, many years, I want you to know that the God, the God who hears answers and he can cure that. And we're going we're gonna to pray for you today. So just sharing that testimony and hearing the testimony already that we've heard changes the atmosphere in the room. In Revelation, um, Revelation 19, it says the spirit of, uh, sorry, the, the word, sorry, the test, I'll get there eventually. The testimony of Jesus, that is the, the, the word, the stories of Jesus, the, the written word, the spoken word, are the spirit of prophecy. If, in, in other words, if, if Jesus, if we share the story of what Jesus has done, we prophesy that he can do it again. If you look at the, um, the story in, in Matthew 18, I'll, I'm going to get to the wall in a minute, but I really want you to grasp the reason why we're doing this. In Matthew 18, there's a great story where the disciples um, uh, are walking with Jesus and he says to them, don't forget the yeast, you know, be wary of the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples, these teenagers, start to worry and think, oh, no, we've forgotten the bread. We've forgotten the bread. That's what he's talking about. And then they start to panic and argue amongst themselves because they've forgotten the bread. And, um, you know, they've already forgotten the bread a couple of times and Jesus has bailed them out. But they've done it a third time. What were they thinking? And then Jesus says to them, guys, why are you talking about the bread? You know, I've fed 4,000 people. I've fed 5,000 people. In other words, I've done it once and I've done it again. So why are you worrying about the bread? In other words, when we remember the testimony of what God has done, it helps us to focus our minds on the things that are important. So bread, he says in Matthew 18, is not the issue. His provision is not the issue. We already know he's going to do that for us. So I'd like you to put your hand up if you've prayed for provision from God and he has answered. Okay? So just look around now. Just look around at how many people God has provided for in your congregation. How cool is that? Thank you. So here's my question to you. If God has provided once for you, can he provide again? Of course he can. He's already shown willing. If he wasn't going to provide for you, why would he have done it the first time? Or maybe the second time or the third time. So, why worry about provision? You know, that the, the message in Matthew 18 was don't focus on worrying about the bread. You need to focus on the problem with the Pharisees. Uh, Romans 12 talks about, and I think you, you quoted it this morning, the renewing, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we, if we remember what God has done in our lives, it tran- renews our mind so that we don't worry about stuff that he's already said he's going to handle for us. Does that make sense? So the power 
of testimony is this, is that one, it stirs ourselves. It stirs ourselves and we remember what God has done. And then the two, it stirs other people. So I want to encourage you. If you, I'm going to share about the wall now and all that we're doing, but, and it may be your cup of tea and it might not be your cup of tea and that's fine. <laughs> but please take away with you today the encouragement to remember God's works and to remember his deeds. How are you? If we can overcome the enemy by the testimony, how are you keeping God's word to you? How are you keeping and remembering the works that he's done? Don't rely on your brain. You know, Simeon's reminded me of stuff that happened at Worcester and names that I just can't even remember. Write it down. You know, write it in a book. The things, my wife has a book of all the different testimonies of provision. So when we're struggling, we read that and we recall it to each other. Changes the atmosphere. I've got a little app on my phone called Memento. I write down in that app the things that God says to me and the things that God does and answer prayers so I can recall it and so I can remind other people of it. It's an important part of our um, instruction from God in the word of God to remember his awesome deeds. And I think it's one of the things that the church in this nation has forgotten to do. And that's, you know, your testimony is great. And it's fantastic to hear that testimony today. Absolutely. I'm buzzing hearing that. Don't stop telling it. Do not stop telling it. Sometimes you're going to need to tell it to yourself. Sometimes you're going to have to read what you've written today and read it back to yourself because it is, it's laden with truth. And right now you're on a crest of a wave because you know that God has answered your prayers. But of course there are times when we don't always feel like that. Pull those back out, read them, because they're still true, however you're feeling. And then read them to other people who are going through the same things. That's the power of testimony. So if we can change the atmosphere in this room just by sharing some testimonies, then what can we do in a nation if we share a million And that's the vision of what we're doing. So we're going to try and build this architectural sculpture. It's going to be the size of 100 houses. And it's going to be um, uh, every single brick will represent a testimony. And you'll be able to get your phone. And you'll be able to go up and put your phone up against a brick. And your phone will light up and tell you the story that that brick represents. You'll be able to, um, uh, you'll be able to go to, to, or you'll be able to go online and to go on pods. You'll be able to type in ankylosing spondylitis and see how many people have had that disease and been healed of it. You'll be able to type in alcoholism and see how many people have had that and been healed of it. You'll be able to type in loneliness or marriage breakdown, every circumstance in the world, we want to have stories so that people who drive past this thing are going to go, what is that all about? And then they'll go to it and they'll find that there is a God who listens and a God who answers, who's done it for them and he can do it again. So we're talking about investing into something that is going to reach people for hundreds of years. 
the Angel of the North, we're, they, they're helping us on this project. And um, they have 50,000 people drive past that every day. 400,000 people go and visit it every year. We're talking about impacting huge numbers. So where, where are we at with it? How am I doing for time? Okay-ish. <laughs> um, so where are we at with it? So I had the vision 13 years ago. I felt God give me the green light two years ago to really start working hard on it. We did uh, some Kickstarter funding to raise some money for a global competition with the Royal Institute of British Architects. And uh, I haven't got time to tell you the whole story. We needed to raise 45000 in 40 days. Sounds a lot of money, but the whole project is going to cost several million. And with four days to go, the way the Kickstarter funding works is you hit, if you hit the target, you get the money. If you were a penny below the target, you get nothing. So with four days to go, I was a mile off. I needed £22,500 with four days to go. People stopped picking up the phone or people looked at me like that when they saw me, you know, and just walked away because they didn't know what to say. And God spoke really clearly to me and said, your job for the next four days is to be at peace. Don't do any marketing, just be at peace. And that's what I did. Got there eventually, took me two days. <laughs> After it took me two days to find a place of peace. And then with two days to go, it just went mad. And people from Japan and Spain and Croatia and all over the world uh, started putting money into it. And we hit our target with a day to spare. And it was just God's way of saying, I'm, I'm behind this, you know. So we then uh, got experts, civil engineers, and to put together a, a brief. And now if we can see the designs, we had five designs. So these are the, the, the five designs that we've got at the moment. We had a total of 133 entries from 24 countries from every continent in the world take part in this. And now, if you just want to flick through, give them a few seconds each. These are our five designs. So one of the designs will look like this. Of course, one of the critical things that we need now is land. We need somewhere to build it. So... <coughs> Excuse me. So I went to Bethel Church... Um, uh, November two years ago. They didn't know anything about the project. And they have these things called prophetic rooms. Are you all familiar with Bethel Church here? Yeah? And they, they, when you get there, they book you in. Say, yeah, Mr. Gamble, you're booked in at 10.30 for your prophetic room. It's like, okay. And you walk in, and there were two ladies there and an eight-year-old boy. And they prophesy over you. And the eight-year-old boy knocked it out of the park. It was incredible. Incredible. And the woman prophesied. She went, God wants you to know that he's got some heavenly land for you. I was like, cool, that's good. We took these designs then to Parliament. I've presented this to MPs and people in the House of Lords, uh, been in the Speaker's House, uh, even uh, in December had the fortune of going to number 10 and discussing the plans. And we have got the political backing for this, which is, which is incredible, really. So... But we, need, but we need the land. Um, we have just enough money for each week that we go along. God is providing for us incredibly each week and each month. But we need the land. 
So one of our intercessors said, well, God's told us that he's got some heavenly land for us. So if that's the case, I'm just going to ask him for more detail, which I really liked. It was just like, let's not waste our time looking all over the country for the land. God's told us he's, he's, he's got it. Let's find out where it is. So this lady got this word. She believed God had given her a word. And um, she typed it into Google Maps. And she was looking through some businesses because it was quite an unusual word, an unusual spelling. And she found a dental practice. And she said, when she saw this dental practice, her heart leapt. And she thought, yep, this is the one. And then a bit later, she thought, well, I knew it was the one because it's obvious, isn't it? She said, you know, dental is teeth. Teeth is wisdom. Wisdom of God. That's got to be the one. (laughs) And I was like... I'm really glad that God spoke that word to you because I may have missed that. But above the dental practice, because we want to build this by a motorway and get as big a coverage as we can. Above the dental practice was a motorway. And then above the motorway was a piece of land. So she circled this piece of land, emailed me and said, "Um, either this is the land or the person who owns it is really significant. What she didn't know was two weeks before that, the person who owned the land had emailed me and asked me to meet. How cool is that? That's a good wow. So it gets better. So I meet this guy, and um, I don't tell him about the dental practice thing because I don't want to manipulate him emotionally or spiritually. I want to know if he's in, he's in because he believes it's the right thing, not because I'm bringing a word of God. Do Do you understand that? So um, I show him the stuff and the designs and talk through the project. And um, he said, he said uh, of course, you know about the trust fund. I said, no, I don't know about the trust fund. And 13, and 13 years ago and four months, so four months before God gave me the vision, he started a trust fund. And one of the aims was to support somebody who wanted to build a national landmark about Jesus. So... So I hope that convinces you that God is in this, yeah? You know, because not everybody believes it is, let's be honest. But we want to have as big an impact as we can in this nation. So our plan is to build this by 2022. I'm meeting with this guy for about the seventh time uh, on Tuesday. He's told me that he's going to give me a piece of land. It's one of the biggest landowners in the Midlands. We've been going through his portfolio of land. We're looking now at two pieces of land, one of which happens to be opposite the dental practice. So uh, we plan then to announce where it's going to be in June. Uh, We then need to run the next part of the competition to get these architects to take their concept designs and then fit it in with the landscape, and then we'll start building it. Now, this is where you come in. So have we got some volunteers to hand out pens and leaflets? Is that? Yeah, if you could do that for me while I'm. So we need a million answered prayers. What does that look like? That looks like in Worcester, 1,000 and we need one. We've worked it out to that. We need 1,113 answered prayers from Worcester. Now, I know what it's like. If I, if I ask you 
to take this home and to write it in. For a lot of you, the roast will come on, EastEnders omnibus, maybe the, maybe the game this afternoon, whatever it is, and we get distracted. And I'm going to ask you if you could do it now for five minutes. What I'd like you to do right now is, is, is to make history. And that sounds like I'm egging it up, but the reality is somebody is going to read your answer prayer and it's going to change their life. May happen in the next 50 years, may not happen in the next 100 years, but you've got the opportunity. What we will do is we will um, email you a certificate so you know exactly what brick number you have. And you'll be able to go and see that brick and see your prayer. Now what, if you can just have your attention, what prayers do we want? Okay. Are we looking for the big stuff? Yes. Are we looking for the little stuff? Yes. Are we looking for the stuff in the middle? Yes. Because we want to have a whole range of different answer prayers. So I would just ask now for a second for you to just ask God, what is the prayer that he wants you to put down? And for some of you that are not comfortable in writing, you can, uh, don't know if that's a bit small, isn't it? I have to adjust that slide, but you can text the number or actually you can phone tomorrow. You can just phone up and share your testimony or you can just go to the website. Now, while we do that, I'm going to answer some questions as well. If you can multitask, is that okay? Just for five minutes. Are there any questions about the project? Have I explained it fully enough? So we'll have a visitor center there. And um, at the visitor center, we're going to have a a 24-7 prayer room, praying for the nation. We're going to have an exhibition, which is going to explain what Christians believe in prayer and and build it in in such a way that it fits in with the curriculum so we can send schools and colleges there to learn about what Christians believe and how Jesus is. Jesus answers. Any questions or I shall answer the... Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a bit of both. So I've, I've spoken... Um, we've got three, three sites, one in the East Midlands, two in the West Midlands... Uh, the West Midlands ones are looking more um, exciting, shall we say. And I've met with the lead of the council in those areas. And um, I've also met with a, uh, the mayor's team in that area. And they're really enthusiastic that, that, they, uh, that we, we bring it to their area. Because economically, we know from the Angel of the North that it will generate, uh, I think they calculated it's generated 50 million a year for the local economy. So, so um, we are expectant that we'll be able to do the same, if not more. So politicians, you know, that's, that's sort of what they need, and, and uh, those are the conversations. Interestingly, some are a little bit edgy because they said, well, is it multi-faith? And I said, no, it's not multi-faith. Being really clear, this is about Jesus. And that causes some problems, but the politicians, particularly the national politicians, are saying, 
you know, we need to celebrate the Christian heritage in this country. And so that is where we are getting the backing. And um, uh, I've met with the mayor's advisor, who's a Hindi lady. And I said, I just want to be really clear. This is about Jesus. And she went, it's just not a problem. It's not a problem. So, you know, of course, we're going to have some battle. Um, but it's incredible when I go around and speak to places. I went and spoke at the um, European Leaders Advance in Harrogate, and one of the guys in the room happened to be one of the leading uh, barristers on planning, uh, particularly for faith projects, and he's donating his time for us. So God is bringing all these different skills of people as well to help us build this. It's going to be crowdfunded and crowdsourced. That's that's the plan. I don't, I don't want somebody with lots of money to come in and pay for the whole thing. That's not the spirit of what we're trying to do here. Um, let's just talk about the. Is there any other questions? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, we were talking about that on the way down. So, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're linking with them. And one of the sites is not a million miles away from where they're looking to build the prayer center as well. So, uh, yeah, we're, part, we're partnering with them. What's interesting for me is um, a lot of the prayer networks are very passionate about prayer up to the point where God answers and then, they, and then their, their leaning is to pray for the next thing. And one of the things that we want to try and encourage is that we celebrate the answers and we share the answers to prayer. Um, some, some people often ask, what about the money? Is it too expensive? And, and I, just, I have some answers for that. I'm sure there'll be some people thinking that. And, uh, and let me give you the answers to that is this. You know, there's a... There's a uh, the lady who breaks the perfume over Jesus' feet? That was an extravagant expression of worship. This is an extravagant expression of worship too. God is not short of cash. I remember when I first got saved, because I'd been drinking so much, I'd, I'd got some real stomach issues and bleeding internally. And I remember somebody praying for me, and I'm going, Lord, don't heal me. Because there's people in Africa that, that need this more than me. In almost sort of thinking that God would run out of his power if he healed me and not other people. And it's the same with finance. God is unlimited in his provision. So we're not saying that God can't support other charities as well. You know, that's crazy. I believe this is God's will. I believe that he'll provide. And some of, you know, the stories of provision have been incredible to date. Okay. Great. Right. How are we doing on time? So there's a little post box over there at the end of the meeting. If you want to put in your answer prayer, that'd be fantastic. Any donations are great. We need money. But I'm really more passionate about the answer prayer, you know, because that I don't want money to be a, a barrier to you sharing that wonderful moment where God's answered a prayer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no cost, and we just ask for donations. And if people want to donate, great. And if they don't, they can. St you can still have a brick if you put in no money. Not an issue, because I don't want to connect money to to something that's of God. If you if you if you understand that, does that make sense? It just doesn't feel. We started off like that, but I just feel that's not the right way to do it. 
Ja. Yeah. Okay. And we'll send you certificates and stuff. Yeah. Uh, how do you give money? Oh, it's almost like I've lined that up. Thank you. Could you go to the next slide for me? So you can you can you can give us some money today, or you can go onto the website, onto PayPal, or you can also phone the number and just donate over the phone. Thank you. Okay. So at the start, we talked about the power of testimony. And, and I would like us to pray now, if that's okay. So I would like to pray, if, if, you have got, uh, if you've got a long-standing illness, and you've been prayed for loads of times, and you want to be prayed for today, I'd like you just, just to raise your hand. Okay, if you could keep your hands up. And then the people around you, could, could people just gather around those people that have got their hands up? And we're going to pray God's healing. Is that okay, Simon? Yeah. Keep your hand up if you haven't got anybody around you. Okay, we've got two or three hands here for people to come and pray for. Yeah, we're good. Is everyone covered? Right. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our healer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there is nothing um, above your name, that there is no illness that is more powerful than your name, Jesus. And now, Lord, we ask for healing. We thank you, Lord, for the stories that we've heard this morning, stories of you miraculously moving. And, Lord, I pray now in the power of your name for sickness to be gone, that you would bind all sickness and disease in Jesus' name, and you would loose health to each and every body that's being prayed for. In the power of your name. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray to close. Lord Jesus, um, we want to thank you of all your awesome deeds. We thank you that you are a God who answers our prayer, that you listen to us and you answer, Lord. Not always in the way that we like, but you are the wise one, Lord. You know what we need and when we need it. Lord, I pray this morning that you would uh, stir our hearts and remind us as this day goes on of the things that you've done in our lives and encourage us to share those stories with our loved ones around us so we may be able to tell time and time again of the wonders of your works. And Lord, we are hungry we thirst for, we desire to see them again, Lord, to see them again in this land. In Jesus' name, amen.